0: What's going on, Broncos Country? Tanner and Jeff back for another weekly edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Jeff, uh, how's it going this evening?
1: It's going all right, Tanner. I'll be honest with you; I got a nice uh, glass of red wine next to me. I think the rest of Broncos Country and our listeners out there, going to listen to this podcast, should probably pull up a nice cold beverage because this one could be a little tough to get through. Well, you know,
0: I think I'm going to reach in my uh, fridge here and pull out a nice old Coors Banquet beer. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna need to need it to get through this podcast, but uh, okay. Wrong with that? Yeah. Fair warning, Broncos country. This one might be a little rough. Uh, you thought last week's a little hostile. This one might be a little hostile. But anyways, get get a beverage in hand. Whatever you like to do to relax. If you're driving in the car, um, don't get too relaxed. <laughs> stay stay alert. Stay alert to the roads. But uh, wherever you are listening to this podcast, we appreciate you listening and get back. Sit back and relax. And get ready for another weekly edition of the Orange Weekly Postgame Podcast. All right, Jeff. Unfortunately, you know, we have to talk about something that no other Bronco fan has had to talk about since we weren't even born. Something that hasn't happened since 1990, and that is the Cleveland Browns defeating our Denver Broncos.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's one more hit against this organization um, and a sign of of really bad times uh, for the organization, for this team. Um, all the way around, very disappointed. Uh Fans are disappointed. The front office is. I know the. I know the players and coaches and, and front office personnel are disappointed. Um, but uh, we'll get into what we saw on on Saturday, um, and where we think things go from here.
0: Yeah, if I would have told you before the game that we hold Baker Mayfield in that Cleveland offense that has some horsepower to seventeen points, you probably think we win, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get into his stats, but. When you see that he throws for under 200 yards, um, throws a pick, gets sacked a couple times and has a sack fumble, Um, yeah, we hold them to 17. Yes, at home, I would say we win that nine out of ten times.
0: Yeah, I thought we held Baker in check, really. He'd been coming in on a hot streak, coming into this game. I thought our defense played pretty well against him. Yeah, and, and this is kind of getting away from the game itself, but we'll get right back into it. Is Denver's defense a good defense?
1: I think they are an average defense that's supported by great pass rushers, um, a very, very weak secondary, especially the last couple of weeks due to injury um, and just undisciplined play. Um, I'd, I'd say they're middle of the line. I don't think they're a bad defense. I don't think they're a great defense.
0: I would agree. Got definitely some elite players, Von Miller, Chris Harris when he's healthy. Bradley Chubb's got that potential. Some really nice other pieces that have been in the few Pro Bowls here and there. Uh, But, yeah, they're not what they once were. But um, statistically, they've been pretty good this year. They gave up a lot of yards, but they're a lot of bend but don't break, as we've seen over the past two months or so. But what did you think of Vance Joseph's decisions to hold out Shane Ray and Sue Cravens? I thought they were hurt. Turns out he held them out for attitude reasons, among other things.
1: Yeah, we found that out after the game. Um when he was asked the the reasoning for making them inactive, Sandy he I believe the quote was, we're trying to play the best players. Um when he was responding to Cliss. And I don't know. To me, that's almost more of a sign of maybe there was um lack of effort in practice this week or there was some disciplinary reason for them being held out that we're not getting because these are two players that when we're already hurt in the secondary, Sue Cravens needs to be on the field. Um, and Shane Ray has been, he has not been, I wouldn't say he lived up to, um, the first round, first round or second round, first round, first round draft pick that we drafted him to be, excuse me. Um, but he's been, you know, fairly consistent when healthy. Um, so I don't get that. I don't know if it's a true football reason. Me, it sounded more disciplinary.
0: Yeah, and I didn't like his comment, we're trying to play the best players. Those are two of your better players than the reserves that came in and played for him. So I didn't agree with his logic there. But I don't agree with a lot of the logic, Ben Joseph says. And uh, I don't even try to make sense of it anymore. Because every time I think the guy can't surprise me by something he says, he goes out and surprises me even more. And we'll get into that a little more. But uh, back to the Brown and Bronco game. Yeah, held the Browns with the seventeen points, but unfortunately, our offense only scored sixteen points. Uh, what did you think of quarterback Case Keenum's play?
1: I thought it was uh, very mediocre, um, and quite frankly, probably below average this week. Um, he's kind of been consistently average throughout the season. Has had a couple flashes of brilliance. Has led us on a few scoring drives to win football games earlier this season. And, um. Looked okay in the winning streak against uh, the Chargers, Steelers, and Bengals. Um, but, again, he's just – he looks timid. Um, he looks like he's solely relying on the offensive plays that are given to him through the earpiece to make plays. He does He's not creative on his own. Um, he had a nice running touchdown early in the game to tie it up at 7-7. Um, but even that was <laughs> – you know, I, I know he's he's made a he made a great play in the long run, but when you look at the play, um he barely escaped um the Browns defender and and barely sneaked that one in. His interceptions were really, really poorly timed, um and, and horrible decisions, horrible throws, huge turning points in the game. Um I thought he was bad. And it's just another sign that we need to start looking. No, I, I
0: agree. I thought he was bad, too. I thought he forced some stuff, but yet, Vance Joseph kind of almost made him force some stuff by his comments earlier in the week, One Case to be more aggressive. And not only did we see Case throw his first interception in five weeks, he threw two of them. Uh, one really bad one in the end zone, another one at a time where we just feel like we couldn't turn it over in the fourth quarter towards the sidelines. A the, uh, friend of mine I was watching the game with even said, even said, He said, I think a pick's coming. Next play, pick happens. Um, Well,
1: and you know what's really disappointing me about that second interception is that drive comes right after Von Miller uh, gets his his 98th sack as a Bronco, um, taking over the role as number one all-time Broncos sack leader uh, in Broncos history over Simon Fletcher. And that next series – we're, we're up 13 to 10 at this point. And then next series is when case throws the pick. We had all the momentum. You could even just hear and feel the crowd getting a little more into it after that sack by Vaughn and case throws just in a, a absolutely terrible ball. Um, there's a difference between being aggressive and play calling being aggressive at the quarterback position and then just being stupid and not really seeing the field. And that's what happened there. He just didn't even see the field. He just, Picked one receiver before the play started. Threw it to him off balance, running backwards like he typically does. Easy pick for Cleveland.
0: Yeah, and let's look at Case's stats overall. He's 31 completions of 48 attempts for 257 yards. No touchdowns, two picks, two sacks taken. Both of his sacks were corner blitzes by – or maybe safety blitzes, I forget what place plays, by Jabril Peppers. And the second one was the fourth and ten that ended the game.
1: You have to pick those up. I mean – Everyone in the stadium knew that Cleveland was going to bring pressure on that last play of the game. They'd been bringing pressure all game. Case somehow is one of the few people and the most important people that misses that assignment, has no time to even get a playoff on fourth and ten. Um, I just – I don't know. It's just another sign of a guy that, that is not a starting quarterback in the NFL.
0: Yeah, um, and, and you know, like you said, they were bringing pressure, and on that replay, it's like, dude, it's fourth to ten. You got to score to win. Just chuck it. Just don't yeah. take a sack. I mean, you're gonna get hit. Chuck it. Maybe get a pass interference call. Maybe get lucky. But just the, you see him coming, and just to take the sacks, like you can't do that. I mean, it's no. uh, man, but it, it, it. Vince Joseph said something about that this week. Um, he let's see here. He he said something about I can't find it now. I would have to have to look it up, but I I can't find it. I thought I had, but he said something stupid in the press conference about that last play today. Um, but yeah, we threw forty eight times. That's two weeks in a row. We've thrown over forty times. We ran it uh, twenty times. Phil Lindsay had fourteen carries for twenty four yards. Royce Freeman four carries for seven yards. Case Keenum. Two carries for one yard and a touchdown. What do you think is going on with the run game? Have teams figured out uh, Phil Lindsay?
1: Yeah, I think it's an incredibly boring offense. Um, the way we call plays is so predictable uh, by Musgrave that teams have us completely figured out. Um, the blocking has taken a hit the last two weeks. You could definitely tell that. I think this line, this makeshift line, had a couple good weeks there against the Steelers and the Chargers. Um, And even the Bengals, you know, in the second half of that game. Um, But the last two weeks, they look a little bit lost, and Case isn't getting people in the right position. I don't think he knows when to call audibles. I don't even know if he does call audibles. I don't know if he has that power or if he has the football prowess to even be able to do that. Um, He clearly didn't do it on the last play of the game. Um, So, I don't know. I I think it's just this offense is so easy for other teams to figure out how to stop. And we're missing Emmanuel Sanders. We traded Demarius Thomas. Case Keenum is our quarterback. We have a hurt offensive line. It's just I don't think it's tough for people to defend us.
0: Yeah, and um, looking at the wide receiver uh, stats, you mentioned, another, of course, another game without Emmanuel Sanders, which every week he misses just shows how much he means to this team and his offense. But uh, Sid Patrick led the way with uh, five catches for 65 yards. And Deshaun Hamilton, had seven catches for 46 yards. Matt LaCoste had four catches for 43 yards. Um, Corlin Sutton had five catches for 42 yards. Phil Lindsay, four for 20. Brian Parker, two for 18. Devontae Booker, two for 17. Andre Helms, one for five. And Royce Freeman, one for one. That's one thing I did really like. I thought we spread the ball out more than we have all season long.
1: Yeah, and I like the, the tight end involvement with LaCoste and uh, Parker. Um, six catches for the two of them combined. Um, yeah, I mean, five catches from Sutton's fantastic. Deshaun had a nice day, um, kind of more of that short game, which is kind of his role anyway, playing in the slot, like Emmanuel would. Um, and then Tim Patrick has great, has been great. He's bought himself arguably a roster spot for next year. And when you look at this, this group, this is likely who we're going to be throwing out there at the start of next season. So these guys need all the reps they can get right now.
0: Yeah, I could see this being who they throw out there with one addition. Maybe they draft somebody, but I think they try to get a veteran in here, especially if Emmanuel's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Any game balls to anybody on offense from you this week?
1: I would say Tim Patrick is very deserving. I thought he he's reliable. He's catching the football. He's running great routes. Um, He's getting open. Um, He has great footwork. He's smart with the football when when he catches it. He's trying to go upfield um i think he's been phenomenal so i would give it to him
0: yep i agree i'd give one to him i'm gonna give one to matt lacoste four catches for 43 yards uh 10.8 yards uh, average per reception but that was pretty good Um, uh, but besides that and, and a few of the other receivers like we hit on did all right besides that nobody else gets a ball from me i didn't think the line was very good i thought once again mcgovern had a lot of low snaps uh Keenum, like I said, didn't play good. No bot. other the running backs played very well, um, and unfortunately, like you kind of mentioned earlier, I think Case Keenum's proven he is good enough to be a really good backup in the league, but not much more than that.
1: Yep. Well said.
0: All right. Now uh, let's look at the defensive stats here. Um, anybody stick out to you on defense, um, just just from a observation standpoint? Any game balls to anybody on defense?
1: But definitely Vaughn right away. I think he's well-deserving of a game ball for for becoming, uh, like I said earlier, the all-time leading sacker in Broncos history with now 98 sacks. Um, doing it with one team is phenomenal, and this only being his seventh season or eighth season, I suppose. Um, so pretty remarkable. Um, you know, he's been very reliable every game uh, that he's been out there and, and couldn't ask for more from him. Um I thought Alan Gotts has played really well. He had that strip fumble, um, had a big tackle there on the fourth down and, and really inches play um, when Cleveland was trying to win the game late. So I would give him the my second game ball.
0: Yeah, I think Gotts is having actually a pretty good season. A lot of people don't realize that, especially as a late, he's really been coming on. Um, he's really good deflecting passes passes down but yeah that strip sack and then that fourth down stop like you mentioned where his two big plays i'm gonna give one to a guy that uh, probably didn't even expect to play much on defense but he i thought really did well with his opportunity that's a demonte thomas got an interception his first career interception uh i liked what i saw out of him out safety and maybe maybe this these last two weeks he can prove to the broncos that he's what they've been looking for in an answer to slow down the tight ends
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been looking for that for a long time. We need a big physical guy in there that's not afraid to make plays, that can um, break up passes, that can intercept the football, but they can also make tackles on bigger receivers and tight ends. So I agree.
0: I'll tell you one guy that's not getting a game ball for me is Jamar Taylor. Two snaps, one punch, and one injection.
1: Again, just on discipline, This whole season is a microcosm of of those kind of plays. And again, I always when it comes down to discipline. In any sport, I go to the top, and I look right at Vance Joseph for that, and it has not been fixed.
0: Well, the good coaches take uh, responsibility for that and find ways to fix that. We see it in college all the time because you're coaching 18- and 22-year-olds, and they get indisciplined from time to time and get stupid penalties that cost you games, and the coaches say this will be fixed, and this starts from the top. We're not here now, Vance Joseph. Just another thing to mark on his checklist to get him out the door. Uh, another game ball for me, my last one. Brandon McManus went three for three in field goal attempts, one for one extra point attempts. His long long field goals, 44 yards. Uh, Good job by BMAC. Um, Nice hall performance.
1: Yeah, and uh, we were setting him up to potentially hit the game winner. Unfortunately, he didn't have that opportunity. But, yeah, he had a great game. He's been pretty good again this year. Um, Had a few missed kicks early on the season. But, again, he's been a great kicker for us. And, um, like Vaughn says, wouldn't want anybody else out there kicking the football.
0: Uh, we already talked about Baker Mayfield a little bit, switching over to Cleveland to talk about how our defense did against them. Uh, Baker Mayfield was 18 for 31 for 188 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. We did get to him twice. Uh, Nick Chubb, I didn't realize this, he had 20 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, no, no touchdowns, just 20 carries for 100 yards, excuse me. Duke Johnson Jr. had four carries for 28 yards. Baker Mayfield, four for six yards. We did shut down their wide receivers for making a ton of noise. Jarvis Landry had three catches for 37 yards. Uh Let's see here. Uh, Antonio Callaway had five catches for uh, 35 yards and a touchdown. He also had a personal foul. Um, but I like that we kept David Njoku in check. He only had three catches for 30 yards. I was really nervous that he was going to get going. Um, uh, one guy did not like see Todd in our crowd after the win was, but fair, fair to him, we, we let him go, was Britton Colquitt. Did you happen to see that after the game? Him I blowing, did. kind of waving and blowing kisses to the crowd. I did, yep. Um, and then, of course, Javel Peppers or Jabril Peppers came up huge with them. Uh, six six tackles, one sack, and one interception. Uh, Colin Sr. actually had the other sack. I thought I thought um, Peppers had them both, so I was mistaken.
1: Well, and uh, that pick that he had was also at a crucial time uh, late in the first half uh, when we had a chance to go up at least 13 10 or 17 10 before halftime. Um, and again, Case just throws a terrible ball into double coverage, an easy pick for Peppers. He's too athletic um, to throw that ball there.
0: Yeah, and the first pick in the end zone was terrible by Case too. To TJ Carry, that's one he just got throw away. You just have to throw it away. Yeah. You have to eat it. And uh, he tried to force something in there, unlike him the last few weeks, and it cost us. Just absolutely yeah. cost us. Uh, you know, he was he was he was mad after the game. He even for a guy who doesn't curse much, he uh, I mean he's not too bad on a curse word, but he said he was pissed off. He even said, my mom's not going to be happy that I said that, but he said, that's just how I'm feeling right now. He took a lot of the blame. Um, and he, and he, as he should up, he's, he's supposed to be the leader of the team. He had two bad turnovers, but this wasn't just on him. This was also on a coaching blunder. A blunder that, in my opinion, was the last straw. I've tried to give this guy every benefit of the doubt until about four weeks ago, and I've wanted him gone since. And when your team is down four, what, at about the 10-yard line or so, fourth yeah, and one
1: in the red zone in the sure. red zone
0: fourth and one not even one maybe like fourth and a foot or foot and a half and four minutes 38 seconds to go, and you kicked the field goal to go to get within one because you got trust in your defense but the week before he went for it on fourth down like five or six times our offense could have picked that up and uh i was just shocked shouldn't have been but i was shocked that we kicked the field goal in that situation Okay, I understand his logic. Yeah, put up the defense, but you go for a fourth and one and don't get it. You still have your timeouts, and your defense has them pinned closer to the end zone than uh, you know you would have been um, after kicking off. So I don't know. What 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 was your whole take on that? Just mind-boggling decision by Vance Joseph.
1: I'm right there with you. Uh, I echo all those words and couldn't agree more. I think um, it makes no sense in terms of where we're at in this season where, you know, before the game's over, we're a six and seven football team, technically still in playoff contention. You're at home. You're facing the Cleveland Browns, an organization who although they are on the right track with things, were five, seven, and one coming into the game. They have a rookie quarterback. Um, they have a defense that is mediocre at best. Um, we had shut down Baker for most of the game. And we have an offense that is so bad that it doesn't make any sense to say, let's leave it up to the defense to go win it because the defense wasn't going to win it. We were still down with a field goal, which would require our offense to go back down the field and score points, which they couldn't do. Which, I mean, it was a miracle enough on that one drive. It felt like that they were able to get down to the 10, 15 yard line. I can't remember exactly where it was when that was that fourth and one. I think you're right about the 10 yard line. Every drive feels so painful and like there's so much work involved just to move the football that to get all the way down there to kick a field goal and then think we have to do this all over again. I had no faith in our offense and it's exactly what happened. We, we couldn't convert in the big moments. I know we've converted a couple times in the past against um, Oakland is a game that comes to mind to me, but it's late in the season. You're playing to win. You're trying to get in the playoffs. You just lost to the 49ers. A game you should have never lost. And you just make a cowardly, cowardly coaching decision. Um, And yeah, it's, in my opinion, it's a type of coaching decision that doesn't, that shouldn't allow him to even be on the field next week. Um, But unfortunately, that will still be the case.
0: Yep. um, And we'll get to that in a little bit. But just another dumb head, dumb bonehead decision by Vince Joseph. We've seen a lot of them this year, but this one takes the icing on the cake. In my opinion, um, and man, and another thing is, why would you? I, I understand our defense was playing all right, but did you see how injured our defense was? Yeah, I mean, we had we had barely any healthy corners.
1: We had one cornerback on the field in Tremaine Brock. Everyone else was safeties. And, and he and he's leaving it up to the defense, which is not our typical defense, to make plays. See, this is
0: where I'm going to start getting angry.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. I, uh,
0: it's just, dude, like, he's unbelievable.
1: The basic fan can see that and go, that is that is a stupid, stupid play call. This guy used to coach defense. Yeah, great, another great point. <laughs> and then um, we let Chubb go off for about fifty yards on the next uh, series. Yeah, that that got a
0: hat toss across the room from me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it just goes to show that you just can't rely on on that when you have a chance to win the game against the Cleveland freaking Browns.
0: And, and I had a friend, it's a friend of yours as well, but that was over watching the game with me. He said he hadn't watched the Broncos too much this year and always kind of wondered why I wanted Vance Joseph out so long. He looked at me after that game. Actually, literally after Vance made that decision to kick field goal, he goes, Tanner, I understand why you want this guy out now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's time for this guy to go.
1: Yeah, he's not an NFL head coach. I don't think he understands the magnitude of his job in the NFL and the role that he plays in getting this group to to wins into the playoffs. I mean, if you look at the NFL season, people always talk about this. You're a few plays here and there, a few games here and there from most teams being pretty competitive, actually. And even though this team is nowhere near a playoff team in terms of talent, we still had moments this year where you start with you start, heck, you start with Baltimore, where um, that was a game we started hot, we lose. You then play Kansas City at home, you have a 10-point ten, ten lead in the fourth quarter, you'll lose. Um, you play Kansas City tough on the road, but you'll lose. you lose to the Jets in just a complete blowout on the road, which is one of the worst teams in the league. You'll lose. You lose to San Francisco when you're 6-6 six and six on a three-game winning streak. You have a chance to win out, make a playoff spot, which was very realistic. In my opinion, then you come back home. You lose to the Cleveland Browns, so you haven't lost to in 28 years. Um, and now you're playing Oakland on Monday night in a game that doesn't matter in LA. It's just the man does not deserve to be coaching the Denver Broncos anymore.
0: Heck, you missed the uh, you missed the you didn't even mention the Texan game when he tried to kick a 60 yarder right before yeah. half, and
1: then it flipped
0: yeah. all the momentum.
1: Oh yeah, I can probably go to every single game. I I just it it oh it is mine. Boggling how bad he's been this year. It really is, and, and you know the human element says he's a great guy. People love him. Um, I get that, but when you're making millions of dollars to coach a football team and you do a bad job at it, I don't feel that bad to say you you don't deserve that job.
0: Nope, it's uh, you know it's it's always tough. You know, a lot of fans don't put it in perspective when we're talking about people's lives and people's jobs. But he'll get another chance to coach somewhere. might not be a head coach, but he'll, he can go be a coordinator or a position coach or something. He's not just going to go back on the streets. But unfortunately, you know, I think he's a good guy. Just not a right fit. We gave it another chance this year. He was almost fired last year, and it just hasn't worked out. It's time to move on, and we got to try to fix this thing. Why it's still in place to get it fixed decently quick. Uh, before it gets to the point where it's going to take too many years to rebuild.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and before we hit on that a little bit more, I just kind of want to bring things back to the game one last time, get your opinion a little bit on the Browns, as they are kind of a hot topic in the league right now. And um, since we got to see them uh, this Saturday, I I liked um, Bayfield's throws on his touchdown passes. I thought they, those were professional – Top tier quarterback throws the rest of the game. I don't, I couldn't tell if it was our defense forcing him into throws or if it was him getting a little bouncy and, and getting a little too juiced and overthrowing at times. Um, but yeah, for a guy that was coming in pretty hot to the game, what was your take on his performance? Cause I, I thought at times again, on the touchdown passes, he looked elite um, and then other times he looked like a rookie. Yeah,
0: I think it was more of our defense. That had to do with do uh, that contribute to that than anything else. Uh, Baker had a really good year, better year than I expected. I'm, I'm I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. I wanted us to take him if if the opportunity presented itself. Fortunately, it didn't. With the uh, Browns uh, taking him number one overall, I like his swagger. I also understand why people don't like him. Um, but no, I, I I think he's got a bright future. I think this Cleveland Browns team's got a bright future in the next couple of years. Call me crazy, but I think they have a good chance to win the ASC North within the next three years. Once again, you can call me crazy, but they're young. They have a lot of good pieces. If they beat the Bengals this week, which they probably should at home, that'll give them seven wins. That's a better season than the Browns have had in a long time. And you look at the AFC North. Big Ben's always threatening retiring every year. You know, which I think they'll make the playoffs now. But if they were, they, if they happen to miss it, I thought maybe they split with Tomlin. Harbaugh's um, been rumored to. Part ways with Baltimore. We'll see if that happens. Cincinnati's a dumpster fire. The Browns are in better shape right now than Cincinnati, so I think the Browns might be knocking on the doorstep of competing for that AFC North title in the next three years. But I still hate losing to them in our house in a game we should have had. And what made me sick, maybe absolutely sick, was after the game I was watching the NFL Network a little bit, seeing Baker Mayfield up on that stage and seeing all, seeing and hear all the Browns fans in our freaking stadium chanting. Let's go Browns, Baker Mayfield, Brownies. Oh, man, that is a low point in the last decade of Denver Broncos football.
1: Yeah, that was so well said. I, I, uh, I've been down after Broncos games before. I mean, I, we can both think about big games that we lost that were just crushing. Uh,
0: don't get me started.
1: Yeah, we, we won't go into details. Um, the rest of you listening out there know those similar games, I'm sure. Um, this feels different um, because after a lot of those losses over the history of the franchise, you always came back the next season going, we have a great organization. We have a great owner. We have great coaches and we have great players who really care about winning and care about each other. And we're going to get this thing figured out. I'm at the first point in my time, my life being a Broncos fan, feeling like I don't think we're going to figure it out next year. Um, and I don't know when we're going to figure it out. Um, you know, Pat Bolin has made this organization what it is. Unfortunately, he's not of mind or body to be in that role anymore. Um, it's really sad to me to think that, you know, all the stuff going on with ownership, first and foremost, is, I think, affecting a lot of this. We don't even know who the ownership group's going to be going forward. There's been. I mean, riffs within that family because of that. I mean, it's just, so right there you start with that. Um, then you get into John Elway, not, I think he has a decently clear role in terms of what he has to do, but he's done a pretty poor job. He finally hit a, his first draft class on the head. Um, but besides getting Peyton Manning, he hasn't, he hasn't done a lot to be honest. Um, and then down the line from that, we've missed on our coaches. Um, Vance being the biggest of all, he's been a bust.
0: I, I would say we missed on Kubiak. His health, um,
1: true,
0: So I think Vance is the main one, and and Fox. Fox had success. It just got old, and he, he we, we realized he just couldn't get over the hump.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. Thank thank so you. That's Vance, good
0: point. Vance was such a big miss. It puts everything else for the backside.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and now. It's it's like every other sport. When your team is bad, things look really bad and bleak. Um, but this just, again, it feels different. Um, when Browns fans are taking over your stadium, that's pretty sad. And, again, I've talked about this. Denver is a melting pot. And when when other teams have any excitement, um, it's kind of a breeding ground for them to go to games and um, kind of make their voices heard. I would never want to be a Browns fan in a million years. So congratulations. You're six, seven, and 1". I know that they are on a very different trajectory than we are, um, and I hope that we can get things figured out, but right now, this team is in trouble. Yep,
0: yep, and uh, let's, let's let's get to the big news that kind of came out today, but if anybody watches our shows, on our Wednesday night show last week called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly that airs at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. With Kev Dan and myself and sometimes we're joined by other people like this past week We were joined by Luke from another show called Broncos on the Rocks, which you can go check out their their podcast on um, On uh, I can't think of what his streams on right now. That's, that's kind of embarrassing uh, but uh, anyways on it, it Anyways, go check out Broncos on the Rocks. Just put it in on Google And you'll find the links. But he he actually broke this news on our show last week, even though it came out today. And that was Woody Page came out with a column today. And he said there was a meeting between two-time Super Bowl champion ex-Denver Bronco coach Mike Shanahan and John Elway last year that they pretty much came to agreement that Shanahan was going to return and be the Broncos' next head coach. But when John approached President Joe Ellis with that, this a few hours before the Week 17 Kansas City game last year, Joe Ellis pretty much told him, no, you got two options. One is you can fire Vance and put out a coaching search that is not going to involve Mike Shanahan. Or two, you can bring back Vance Joseph, give him one more chance with a better quarterback. That's when we heard the whole John Elway's going to sleep on that thing. He wasn't sleeping on... He was sleeping on whether to bring Vance Joseph back or not. Um, it was those two options. So he decided to bring Vance back, go get an upgrade over Simeon Osweiler and Lynch in what he thought was Case Keenum. And that's where we stood at that. Uh, there was also a report this morning that Kirk Cousins met with Shanahan at Shanahan's restaurant uh, and said that if he came back to the Broncos, that he would take less money to come play. That later got debunked by Mike Cliss. And, by Kliss also uh, – oh, here's, here's word for word what Kliss said on that. He said, update per source, Cousins never met with Shanahan during past offseason and never once talked about contract uh, contract or contract discount. Cousins and Shanahan met a couple years ago at Shanahan's restaurant patio to talk football. Cousins often meets with coaches to pick their brain. But Kliss also reported this afternoon, as uh, follows up and talking to sources, I'm confident about two things. One, Vance Joseph will not w- Vance Joseph will finish out the year as Broncos head coach. He will not be fired before season's end. Two, Mike Shanahan will not be among candidates if slash when Broncos conduct the head coaching search after season. I know that's a lot to take in, Jeff, but mainly I want your thoughts on all those reports, including Mike Kliss's reports. And you've been a Denver Bronco fan your whole life. Uh, Maybe people know this who listen to our podcast, follow our shows, but for those who don't, I jumped on the Broncos train later. I actually didn't become a Broncos fan until 2009, which was Josh McDaniel's first year, and I became a Broncos fan because I'm a lifelong Purdue fan and Purdue graduate, and I like Kyle Orton. Yes, laugh all you want. I like Kyle Orton. I'm probably the only Broncos fan that became a Broncos fan because Kyle Orton went to the Broncos. I fell in love with the team after that. didn't care that he got traded, yada, yada, yada. In the story, I liked all the other, and I've been a diehard since for the past decade. So, long story short, I never was a Bronco fan during the Shanahan era, but you were, Jeff. So, please, just I know it's a lot to take in. Fill me in on your opinions and everything I've said, and if you think it would be a good move for the Broncos to try to pursue Shanahan and all that.
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, kudos to you. I think that's uh, pretty, uh, you know, good credit to you saying. You know, you jumped on at the right time with Kyle Orton coming to town. I, th- I think uh, no one can discredit your your true Broncos fandom with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mike Shanahan uh, means a lot to me as a Broncos fan. I mean, I was a little kid growing up in Greeley, got to go to the Broncos uh, training camp quite often when they were out there in um, Northern Colorado and actually got to make, meet Mike Shanahan uh, one summer. And he kind of was, to me – um, the face of the Broncos early on, him and Elway. Um, you know, he w- he brought us our first two Super Bowl wins. Um, you know, and I know we've had great coaches before him, Red Miller, probably most notably, um, and uh, others. But to, in my time being a Broncos fan, Mike Shanahan meant so much to this team in terms of championship success. That when he was fired in 2008. It felt, it, I will say this, it felt similar to this time period right now in that it felt like the Broncos were going through a big change because he had been our coach for 14 years. He had brought us our first two Super Bowls. Um, and it just felt like we weren't going to be able to turn the tide after losing him. Um, of course, that wasn't the case. We were able to get right back on the horse. Uh, no pun intended, and uh, get back to our winning ways by 2011. Um, But, yeah, hearing that, I think Mike Shanahan, in my opinion, as much as I loved him as the coach back then, I can't see him contributing to this team's future success, mainly because I think he was fired for the right reasons. His his schemes and his offensive mind – in terms of how he wanted to run things, we're just behind the times, um, and and I think most Broncos fans would agree that it was time to let him go at that point. So why go back to that? I don't think Mike Shanahan is going to change all that much to say, oh yes, now we're gonna we're gonna be the new you know like the Chiefs or the Rams with this new creative offense and build a powerhouse with our old friend back. I don't see that happening. Um, so while I don't love Joe Ellis putting ultimatum on John Elway to say you're either going to do this or that I'm okay with him saying let's have a realistic coaching hire here because I in, in my opinion again as much as I loved him I don't think he's the answer moving forward
0: yeah I'm, I'm glad you to, to get your opinion on that because like I said I unfortunately I was stupid and I wasn't a Broncos fan back then so I was when I heard this news today you know I, I got a few different thoughts on it it kind of excited me because I was like, you know, I'd like to be a Bronco fan during the Shanahan era, even though I wish we were in the Shanahan era right now, like Kyle Shanahan <laughs> era. But, uh, but but so that kind of got me excited. I think this would it would be a move that would definitely excite the fan base. But I'm kind of with you. Uh, you know, he even struggled his uh, last few years in Washington. I think he only had one 10-win season in his last, what, six or seven years, maybe eight years total as a head coach. Um so that, that's kind of worrisome. He's been out of the game for a little while, but I, I still I read and I've heard that he still watches a bunch of film. You know, he keeps up with everything. So he wants to get back into coaching. Um, I could see why Elway wants to make the move from a, a relationship standpoint, um, especially with the rumors that Kubiak wants to come back and be an offense coordinator. That would keep him in Denver and see what happens when he did get Kubiak a few years ago when, um, you know, he got the old band back together and led to a Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, some can credit all that to the defense. You can credit that many different yeah. ways wherever he wants. So I can understand why, where he's going from from there. But also, like you said, um, it worked at once, one time before, but it wasn't working towards the end. So what makes you so confident it's going to work now? Let's look at some uh, other teams, for example, that have tried that over the years. The Raiders with Art Shell tried to bring him back. That didn't go good. The Redskins with Joe Gibbs had a few okay years. That didn't really go well. And now look at the Raiders with John Groob's not off to a good start. So um, sometimes it's just not always great bringing bringing what once was back.
1: Yeah, I think it would be kind of a Band-Aid, kind of an easy fix to say, you know, we got the old band back together. Um, I think the Broncos, you know, these last three years have kind of lost a little bit of their identity after that Super Bowl. And, have kind of let their winning culture slip a little bit. And so I think it would kind of unite the organization, um, especially if Kubiak were to come on. But the roster was very different in 2015 when we won that Super Bowl. And um, I was very frustrated with Kubiak's offense at times, I'll be honest. Um, I thought he was a great coach, um, and a great leader. But I did not love his offensive scheme. I really didn't. And it it was a very similar offensive scheme to what Mike Shanahan had because they worked together. Um, And so, I, yeah, I just don't see it working. I don't see it being the future of this team. I think this team has many, many problems. Coaching is one of them. And it would be an easy fix to kind of make things feel good again. And I I don't think that's a long-term fix at all. I think the ownership group needs to get figured out. Um, I think it's embarrassing that we can't put a name on our stadium um, because I don't think companies, I don't don't know. We don't, we haven't really heard the truth to why that's happening, Um, but that's concerning. Um, I think we're losing, you know, by the time we become potentially good again, Vaughn will probably be out of his prime. Um, We're losing key years with good players Our offense is young, which is good, but we don't have a quarterback, in my opinion, that's a winning quarterback. Um, Yeah, there's just problems all across the board.
0: Yeah, it's a a nerve-wracking time, to say the least, to be a fan of the Broncos. Wouldn't change it for anything, don't get me wrong, but it's a nerve-wracking time. Definitely like some of those uh, situations to get figured out sooner rather than later. Uh, You mentioned the Chiefs. The Chiefs look like they're going to have a bright future for many, many years the Raiders are down right now, but I looked yesterday. They have three first-round draft picks next year. They got two of them from Chicago. Yes, they're going to be later in the first round, but they got, they got one in the top five, two later on. They hit with all three of those. They might turn around. Um, so it's it's a scary time to be a Broncos fan. Like I said, it wouldn't change for anything, but it's definitely nerve-wracking going into this crucial offseason. And um, buckle up, Bronco fans, because these next two weeks, uh, around the coaching situation could get really interesting. Really interesting.
1: Yep, and if, if things look really ugly these last two weeks, um, even uglier than they've been in terms of bigger blowouts, um, it's just going to get uglier. So. Well,
0: yeah, Vance can win the next two games. He's not coming back. He's, no, done. No, no, He's no. done. He's I, done. I would just
1: like to see this team have a little bit of pride and, and uh, maybe beat the Raiders. I, I don't I know. It doesn't matter at this point, but um, I don't know. I don't know where and, to go from here with this team.
0: And let's talk about um, – the Raiders just a little bit. I don't want to preview the game because Jared and Matt do a great job with the pregame podcast, breaking down the X's and O's, and they'll get everybody ready for a, the Christmas Eve Monday Night game next week at Oakland. This could potentially be the Raiders' last game in Oakland. That scares me.
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind of sad um, in a lot of ways. I, I love the old histories and traditions of Broncos Raiders. Um, I know they haven't been in Oakland forever. They've been in Los Angeles before, of course, and. Um, We're not going to move to Las Vegas, but Las Vegas Raiders just sounds so commercialized. It just doesn't even even sound enjoyable to me, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't think this Broncos team, to be honest, has a lot of pride over playing the Raiders. The rivalry is not what it used to be, and so I don't even know if they care. Um, You know, Vance has become such a player's coach that I don't know if anyone gives a crap about winning or losing anymore, except for Case. I think even I will give Case credit for that. He's not a very good quarterback. He's a heck of a leader and a heck of a competitor. And I will give him that. Um, I think
0: I think Derek Wolf. Wolf cares. Yeah. Yeah. There, because, there are guys. Because there's his post-game comments always. He's really mad. But there there are – I think there's more guys than not, though, on this team that it bothers the fans more to lose games than it does the players. I really think so. That all okay. starts with the culture that's happened in the last two years. And um, you talked about the Broncos-Raiders uh, rivalry – Yeah, it's not what it once was. And honestly, when they move to Vegas, I think the Broncos will primary, primary rival will become the chiefs. I really think that, um, I could be wrong, but I just kind of think that's what's going to happen. But being a lifelong Bronco fan, like you have been, what is your fondest memory of the Broncos Raiders
1: rivalry? I think my favorite memory is, um, of course, we've played them on Monday night football 17 times. And I think, um, I don't have the year exactly right on this, but I want to say it was 2002 and uh, Gannon was at quarterback. Um, The year before, I think we lost to them at home, but then we came back at home again and beat them that year in the snow. Um, And my memory is escaping me, of course, but I think it was around 2002, 2003, maybe. um, And just a really exciting game. And I don't know. I just always get excited about Monday Night Football against the Raiders. It's kind of what I remember. Um, you know, this this game will have a completely different feel, but that's kind of what I always think about.
0: Yeah, like I said, I've only been a Broncos fan for a, a decade now, so I don't have really that great memories from rivalry. A lot of them have either been blowouts on either side. Really, I mean, the Oakland's blown us out a couple times, but I go back to um, 2013 when Peyton broke all those records. Um, he set up. Bunch of them late in that last game against Oakland. So that that was always uh, – that's always one I'll always remember. That was pretty cool. But hopefully the boys are ready and um, play for some pride Monday night and get a win over the Raiders and uh, sweep them for the season because it's always nice to beat Gruden, Chucky, and the boys.
1: Yeah, indeed. I mean, it would be I, – I want us to win our last two games. I know they don't mean anything, but it, it does mean uh, – in terms of the, the playoffs, but it, it does mean a lot still onto this organization who is just – you know, we're, like we've said, they're, they're in bad times right now. Um, and I hope that things can get turned around. It's going to take a long time. Um, but yeah, let's see if we can finish up the season strong and see where they go from there.
0: Got anything else, Jeff, while we wrap this up?
1: No, I do not Tanner. It's, uh, it's been a fun season doing this. we got two more weeks, um, together to cover these, these post game podcasts, but, um, I know Broncos country is sad and disappointed with where their where our team is at right now. But like you said, wouldn't want to be a fan of anybody else. And uh, hopefully they figure out figure out a way to get things turned around.
0: Yeah, I definitely wish we had more postgame podcasts than just these two. But uh, we'll be back now and then during the offseason, you know, free agency, draft, all that good stuff. Head coach, whenever that gets sorted out so uh but with that said that's going to do it for this week's episode of the orange weekly Post Game podcast but at orange weekly we don't end with just this show we have plenty of shows and podcasts all throughout the week for you we're pretty much espn related just to the broncos on uh, monday nights you got jason on facebook live which is the orange weekly after dark it takes your questions comments and talks about what you want to talk about also so does the tuesday night show with uh beers broncos and no bs kev dan hosts that usually with Dave, Ray, or another member of the Orange Weekly staff. That's at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, Facebook Live. Wednesday nights, Kev, Dan, and I are live on Give Vocal. It also streams on Facebook, but on Give Vocal, it's kind of like a radio call-in show. You come and uh, we can see you, you can see us, and uh, we talk Broncos with you, what was good, bad, and the ugly from the get- previous game. That's on Get Vocal on Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. And Jared and Matt do the pregame podcast every week usually comes out around thursday or so they get you ready real in depth with the x's and o's get you in the minds of the coaches get you ready for uh the weekend's game then uh day of the game i believe this week's gonna be different i believe we're gonna do it this sunday since monday's christmas eve but usually it's the day of the game on Give vocal a couple hours prior to kickoff kev dan and i on Give vocal again live uh with the tailgate talk getting you ready for uh, not only the bronco game but Go around the NFL, just talking other games as well. And then always on halftimes during the Broncos game, check out Facebook Live for the halftime hash. So, Like us on Facebook if you don't already, uh, Denver Broncos Orange Weekly. Uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Uh, give us a rating and review. That all that helps us all. And uh, let us know if you like our shows and what we can do to make all of our shows and uh, content more enjoyable for you. But like always, Jeff, let's end it with the Go Broncos.
1: Go Broncos, Tanner.